0: Here's today's Voices from Recovery. Hasn't this been our greatest problem, truly committing ourselves to refraining from compulsive eating on an ongoing basis? Full of determination, we are great in the short run, but when the everyday begins to set in, we lose interest. A diet is something temporary. An overeaters anonymous, we believe in abstaining from compulsive eating every day, one day at a time. But first in OA, I didn't know what I should eat each day. I asked other OA members who were using a food plan and what was working for them. One member simply replied, I need to enjoy my food because of eating today the way I will be eating for the rest of my life. It won't change someday. I found too, through years of moderate eating one day at a time, that the weight did come off without any hint of dieting behavior. In OA, I started to focus on the events of my life, which turned out to be much more interesting than watching my weight go up and down. In fact, because my weight was none of my business, it took care of itself. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ron. I'd like to remind you that drawing tickets are still for sale. We have three different types of tickets. We have tickets for the 50-50, we have tickets for the uh, grand prize, and we have uh, tickets for the quilt and afghan. If if you will raise your hand, a volunteer will be happy to help you. Okay, so please raise your hand and someone will come around and sell you some tickets. Okay. Uh, While they're doing that, I'm going to make a few announcements. Uh, First, I want to remind everyone that we do have taped CDs uh, of the uh, events for sale. So you can pick up the speakers or workshops that you missed or maybe the ones that you didn't miss but you'd like to hear again. Uh, So they're going to be out in the foyer. Also, um, I want to uh, remind everyone that we uh, don't take photos or videotapes in the in the room. Uh, that's to protect people's anonymity. If you want photos of your friends, you can take them after the meal if they agree to it. Um, also, I'd like to remind you to t- turn off your cell phones. Um, if you love a great sale. The boutique will be open again tomorrow morning, and lots of things have been um, marked down. The silent auction, however, will close at 10 o'clock tonight, and we will be notifying you of who is the winner for the silent auction. Um, Now, uh, Reggie, I need your help. Can you come up here? Where do you know where she is? Where, where is she? She is Okay. Uh, a little birdie told me, and everyone who is on our committee will automatically know who the little birdie was, that uh, we have a very special birthday uh, today. So uh, I would like, I'm going to ask Reggie, we have a little uh, something for uh, our birthday person. And I'd like to ask you all to join me and sing happy birthday, happy belly button birthday to uh, our events coordinator, Hannah. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Hannah, happy birthday to you. Okay. Now, uh, just a couple more announcements and then I will let you, let you eat in peace and our speaker will come up after uh the dinner The two more announcements one is the sign you may have seen this wonderful sign out in the lobby we've brought it in here and we would like to invite you if you care to to sign the sign uh, and we are going to uh, have that for our inner group so please feel free if you wish to sign your name you can write maybe a line or two. Please don't write whole paragraphs because there's not enough room. Um, and also, these uh, very creative and very lovely centerpieces will be given away tomorrow after the breakfast. And you do have to have a breakfast ticket in order to uh, hear the centerpiece, to get the centerpiece. So. Uh, For that, I'm going to sit down and uh, enjoy your meal. Thank you.
2: Good evening
1: again. I hope you've all enjoyed your dinner. Just uh, as a number, and I got this one email saying that they thought that attendance at this convention was going to be a little low. The uh, registrations are 407. <laughs> We, we, we have a few people that have joined us. I just want to mention we have the sign in here, and uh, you will be uh, invited to come up and uh, sign the sign if you would like to. Uh, and if you've read your program, it says the dance is in the grand ballroom. Well, this is the grand ballroom. Well, that around, down that foyer is also the grand ballroom. That's where the dance is going to be. The karaoke is going to be down that foyer, so don't get lost. Um, We have a really great speaker, and um, I'm I'm really anxious to hear him. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce our speaker, Jack. Jack.
3: I'm Jack, I'm a compulsive reader.
2: <laughs>
3: Holy shit. <laughs> Already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a woman, we had a woman in Los Angeles named Doris, and when Doris passed away a couple of years ago at the age of about 200, um, she made a very strong suggestion a couple of times about dress becoming late and, um, and don't swear. So I will attempt to honor the second one today. And I want to show my tie. I bought this tie ten years ago, and I've never worn it. And this morning when I was leaving home, I said, if not now, when? If not here, where?" you never know when the meal's going to come out of nowhere. you got to be prepared at all times. Okay, so let's do this. I am so incredibly grateful to be here, and that's, that's the truth. I drove uh, down from LA this afternoon, and I was thinking about what's happened in 25 years. And um, to say the least, it's, uh, it's rather amazing to me about, first of all, it's amazing that I have a life, that I'm alive today. Uh, I'll get to the details, but my sister and I were talking once, and my mom died when I was uh, 14. My mom was 44, and we never talked much about it after that, and my sister mentioned the day she turned 45, she was really grateful that she had lived that long. I, I weighed 305 pounds when I was 18, and I never thought I was going to be 21 or 25, forget to the to 44, I never thought I was going to get there. Um, I came into the program in January of 82, and by then, I was 29 years old, I had had two failed careers. I had had a string of fairly unsuccessful relationships and I never knew whether I was gonna weigh one eighty or three hundred. Um, I was a fat kid in elementary school and uh it only got worse. And at least in elementary school you keep all your clothes on. There's no P E. There's no there's no rope to climb. Um, so let's let's with the farcopter rope. I mean uh, <laughs> I'm Jewish, and they, I, I was growing up in an all-Jewish neighborhood, and a bunch of us would look at each other and try to figure out the potential value of being able to climb a rope. <laughs> and I would look at these little puny arms, and then I would look at the below these little puny arms, and I said, it ain't going to happen. It, it's just not going to happen. And then we went to uh, junior high school, where all of a sudden there was locker rooms and um, and showers and collective PE. Um, I don't know if they had it for the girls, but there was nothing more humiliating than being corrective PE. They put the people who had broken an arm or a leg, that wasn't so humiliating. They put the people that were um, different, that wasn't thrilling. And then they put the fat people there because they didn't know where else to put us. It's like, put on your gym clothes if you can, but if you can't, don't worry, just don't hurt yourself. And wear a job or don't wear a jock, just, just whatever it takes, just don't hurt yourself and, you know, please be okay. And I was the second-fattest kid around, and it never made sense to me. I had no idea. I had no idea. I come from a fairly normal, on paper, my family is fairly normal. My sister is a couple years younger than me. We were raised in the 50s. My mom was a housewife in the 50s. My dad's an accountant. Um, I'm the adult child of a Jewish accountant. Um, <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. But it was a fairly normal life. Now, there were a lot of issues, but everything was kind of smooth other than I was fat. And I uh, was uh, I remember if any of you, I'm 55, if any of you are about that age, give or take a little, there was Metrical. Yeah. Yeah. You remember Metrical? Yes. Yeah. There was Sego. Metrical were little packages of cookies, chocolate and sawdust in, the, in little packages of three. And um, I was willing to wait through the chunks of sawdust to get to the, I love watching the head nod. Let me tell you, the most touching experience I had was nodding heads. Back about 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there was a woman in L.A. O.A. named Ellen, and Ellen was a 100-pounder, and Ellen was the, the, she was the female Richie. We have no, we have no uh, heroes, we have no stars of VIPs, but she just, she floated. And one day I saw her at lunch on a Saturday, and she said to me, what are you doing today? And I said, nothing, and she asked if I'd like to drive down to San Diego with her. She was speaking on a Saturday night at the O.A. office in San Diego. So we drove down here. And I was going to be the warm up act. I was like ten minutes and she was speaking for half an hour. And I get there and the guy sitting in the front seat in the front row, much closer to me than this woman is, I looked at him and I said, I'm not going to be able to impact this guy at all. I'm Jewish. He's very not Jewish. He was in the military. The military had come in that night. He had a shaved head. I had a beard. He had tattoos. Jews don't have tattoos. I was thin, he was fat, I was single, he was married, and I'm thinking, this guy ain't budging. I tell my story, I try to look around him, I look through him, at at the break of all the people lined up to say hello, it's this guy. He's a big man with muscles and arms and tattoos, and he looks at me and he asks for a hug. And I was mostly too scared to say no, so I hugged him. And a tear rolled down his cheek and he said, I've never heard my story more similarly, more 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 articulately told. And I'm thinking, go figure. Um, how do you think? Fancy- oh, that was English. I'm sorry. Um, go figure. So back to junior high. And in junior high, I get to Fairfax High School. And again, the the auntie gets upped. Really? Yes. It's, it's the Jews of West Los Angeles who couldn't quite go to Beverly Hills. But thank God we're living in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> I don't judge. Um, so you go to a favorite school, and you start lifting ropes and you're getting to the gym and certain guys starting to develop bodies. And um, I was built a lot more like the girls than the boys. And um, my first semester in high school, uh, my mom died. And um, I, I, that's kind of like the day the music stopped. I guess whatever that the music died. Uh, I didn't realize that, but uh, that was it, and we took that event and applied to it all the functioning or dysfunctioning our family ever had, and from the time she died till the time I turned 18, I went from a fairly fat kid to a motherly obese kid. Again, I topped out at, I'm, I'm sending pictures around, I topped out at 305, and I know it because one of the diets I was on, I actually kept a chart and my top weight and how much I lost that weight and the average calories per day. I'm, a, I'm a, My dad's an accountant. I was counting on some of my diets, calories, one of my diets was 800 calories. And I would only eat bagels and M&M's.
2: <laughs>
3: 800 calories, though, a day. And I had to stop when I hit 800, which was normally about 7, 7.30 in the morning. I'm not kidding. And then the challenge was, what do you do between 7:30 in the morning and like 11 o'clock at night? So during those years, there were uh, there was Stego, there was Metrical, there was uh, liquid protein. Somebody wondered, as if that stuff didn't taste bad enough. Somebody said that it tasted like, dig this, whale mucus. But you know what? I thought it was going to make me thin, and it was worth it. Then I went to Dr. Clarence Hunter in Beverly Hills. Dr. Clarence Hunter was a, a doctor, but he gave little bags of pills. And this is embarrassing, but part of the reason I went there is I wasn't real, po- I was real popular with the women to be their friend. I wasn't going out a whole lot and I wasn't doing much more than not going out also. And, but his daughter was the pill distributor. And she was very pretty. And it was enough for me through that, those Ruffled plexiglass <laughs> sliding doors for whatever her name was to hand me the little bag of pills. And it was enough for me to be that close to a woman. Now picture me on speed. Um, <laughs> I shut myself up for that shit, didn't I? But I mean, I don't need speed to be, I, I, I'm, I'm off caffeine. I haven't had caffeine in a year. This is me, like when I wake up in the morning, when I go to sleep at night. So my mom died in that that year, and all I knew, the only thing that gave me solace um, was food. Uh, One day a woman came up to me recently at a meeting, and she said, I wrote down the best line I've ever heard in a meeting, and it was from you, and thank you. I said, I I don't listen. I've heard my story before. What did I say? And she said, you said your friends were busy having lives, having children, having mortgages, having cars, and you were busy having lunch. But that's what I did. And I did some stuff which is really, really, really stupid. There's an area in L.A. that's not real safe. I would go into that area at 2 in the morning, and I was the only Anglo person there at that time, and I was scared shitless, but the food was good. It was a fat... To be honest, it was a fat burger. And I acted crazy. Well, I acted crazier. I acted nuts, and I figured if I acted nuts enough, these people would leave me alone. (laughs) And they did. Um... But it was bizarre. I had to have my food, and I had to have it quick. There's a place on La Siena called Norm's. It's just a, a coffee shop. And I would go there at, at the 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. I lived with my family, and the L.A. Times used to have the early edition at 10 o'clock. So I'd rush over there, and I'd get the Times, and I'd sit at Norm's at the counter, and I ordered to go. It was 1976, and they had the bicentennial special. And it was something like 76 for a burger, fries, and a chocolate shake. So I would order that to go. But I was so intense that I couldn't wait for them to prepare it. So while I'm sitting there, I got a slice of pie and the proverbial diet coke. Um, <laughs> because I'm cutting back. <laughs> That's the way I lived. And, it was for the, and the thing was, I always knew I was different, and I couldn't put my finger on it. it, just, it uh, there's a guy in program in L.A. who's a stand-up comedian, and... and he referred to the fact that in OA, it, it's a whole lot of women. And he said that, you know, there, there's so many women in OA that are, are you know, in AA they say i a friend of Bill Wilson. So in OA he said they say they're a friend of Bill Wilson's sister. And, <laughs> but I came into OA and they had just done a, 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 a poll across the country and it was like 89% of the people were female. Uh, so I go to high school, I go to college, and I max out. I'm in UCLA, I'm 17 years old in a real hurry. I went through college in three years. I was in a real hurry to get to no place I was going to wind up. And <laughs> I maxed out at 300 pounds and in the next year I lost 100 pounds. And I lost 100 pounds for the first time. And um, I got, as the story goes, and it's all true. I mean, I, still, I goof around a lot, but everything I'm telling you is a goddamn is true. Um I got a new car. I got a new suit. I got a new briefcase. And I got a new girlfriend. And I was thoroughly convinced with the cessation of the symptom, the problem was gone. Because I never heard about disease stuff. I lived in by, uh, near Fairfax in uh, Melrose. The corporate offices of Weight Watchers were there. And so I used to go to those scales, big room, carnival scales, and stand on them. They'd have all these before and after pictures. And I don't know if Carol said it yesterday. Terrell's been my sponsor for, like, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And he said, uh, thinnies become fatties. But fatties never become sinnies. And I would look at these pictures, and I didn't even believe they were real. There's no way in God's earth this person weighed like 14,000 pounds. You know, now is like, you know, uh, 109. And it just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. And my dad offered me money at times for w- losing weight. I had a bet in, a, uh, in high school with a guy who could lose 30 pounds the quickest. Losing weight was not my problem. I lost 30 pounds any any first month of a new diet that I wanted to. When you're 300 pounds, 280, 260, if you cut back enough, losing 30 pounds in a month isn't that difficult. It just isn't. And um, so I could do that again and again and again. By the time I was in law school, which um, when you are from my background, you know, that's what you do. You, you, you get up and then you go to junior high, elementary school, junior high, high school, uh, college, and law school. If you're stupid. <laughs> I was stupid. I went to UCLA and law school. The smart ones went to like Princeton and Yale and med school. And... Um, By the time I was uh, halfway done through law school, not only had I gained 100 pounds back, but that wasn't enough to kill the the pain. And so I discovered alcohol. Um, I mixed the vodka that my dad was drinking with orange juice, so it didn't smell. It tasted pretty good, and it deadened the pain. But that didn't kill it either. I found a new vice. Um, My mom had left a whole lot of medicine when she died, obviously, and uh, my dad just kind of Picked up where she left off. And to tell you how the disease runs in my family, though we never talked about it, my dad was a 40 year three pack a day smoker. 40 years. Never talked about it until he stopped one day and just never smoked again in 20, 25 years. But he took up drugs. My dad was security clearance for the, top security clearance for the Department of Defense. And for the first two years after my mom died, all he did was drink and work and drink. And he had pills and I would steal the pills. And I was taking Valium and vodka and eating enough to gain 100 pounds back. Driving that way, living that way, every day of my life. And I don't know what happened. In 1982, I ran out of gas. I ran out of gas. There was no, there was nowhere else to go. It was like when I was a kid and you really are putting in your, your last 25 cents to get gas. Um, it ran out. And there was 1969, there was a price war in gas. And I remember 259 I'm becoming my grandfather. If I start talking about doctor's appointments, get the hook and get me out of here. Or body, or body part. Um Wherever you are, Zadie, I'm sorry. Um, so one woman said to me, she was my um, employer in the insurance business years before, and she mentioned Overeaters Anonymous. I had never heard of it. I had no idea what it was. And I walked into Beverly Hills High School on January 5th, 1982, and I listened. And I thought it was odd. Um, I thought it was incredibly um, uh, religious and not my religion. Uh, it didn't make any sense to me. The whole thing made no sense. And I left. And from Beverly Hills High School until uh, Lincoln and Wilshire in Beverly Hills, which is, I don't know, should take about 8 10 minutes, I made about 8 or 10 stops. And I would go between Wilshire Boulevard and Santa Monica Boulevard and each time I saw a 7-Eleven or a liquor store I'd buy one last item, 25 cents, package of M&M's, package of uh, uh, potato chips. Well, I went to sleep that night, January 5th, 1982, in my um, lazy boy chair, Nog-a-hide. Um <laughs> What kind of animal does Naugahyde come? Um, but it was exactly like every other night. I left the TV on, I'm fully dressed, I'm lying in my chair, the drapes are closed, and the phone's unplugged. I didn't, I, I, I could not isolate any better anymore. And I woke up in the morning, and something was different. And I, I, to be honest, I wear a dreidel around my neck. A little teeny, itty-bitty dreidel. For those who don't know, which is probably, it's a little top. And apparently one of the games that some of the Jewish little kids play at uh, Hanukkah, 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 <laughs> <coughs> Hanukkah, I'm
2: sorry,
3: is they spin little top. And if it goes on one side, you, you get a penny. You I know, you get a thousand dollars. You lose a thousand dollars. It's a game. <laughs> but the four sides of the dreidel are the first letters of the words Nes Gadol Haya or Nes Gadol Sham, depending on whether you're in Israel or not. What does that mean? Nes Gadol Sham is the great miracle happened there. Nes Gadol Haya is the great miracle happened here. And what that means to me is. Something happened. Now, my dad's an accountant, right? He says to me about every year, let me get this right, Jeff. January 5th, 1982, you're binging, you're fat, and you can't stop eating. Yes, sir. You wake up January 6th, 1982, and you don't compulsively overeat one step at a time, one meal at a time, ever again. Yes, dad. And he says it doesn't make any sense. I said, I'm with you. It doesn't make any sense. And then he throws in the God stuff, which perplexes him altogether. So I don't know what happened that day. But I went to the meeting that night again. And to just speed through it, um, in LA in the early eighties there were a lot of meetings and a lot of program people. There were a lot of meetings. They used to say there were a hundred meetings a week in LA proper. And that's just LA. That's up the San Valley. That wasn't the South Bay, that wasn't uh east of downtown and not much west, obviously, than the ocean. It, it, it stopped there. And there were 100 meetings a week. And every day, any time of the day. And we, like a group of 20 of us, were like lemmings. We'd go Tuesday night, Beverly Hills High School. Wednesday night, we'd go to Palms Park. Thursday night, we'd go to a 100-pounders meeting at the Federal Building. Friday night, we'd go to Cedar Sinai in the salient mental health facility. <laughs> we always joked we could get into that place, but there wasn't a lot of assurance we could get out of that place. Saturday morning we'd go to the maintainers meeting at Clancy's Little Clubhouse on Ohio Street, and Sunday we'd go to, um, um a Sunday in Beverly Hills. And then Monday morning, Monday night we'd go back to, uh, uh Beverly Hills High School. And the same 20 of us would just, they wound us up on Monday morning, and we would just do it. And we go out to, after the lunchtime meeting, we'd go out to lunch after a Saturday meeting, and we'd go out to coffee after a, a Friday night meeting, and that's just what we did. And the first day I wrote down, Abstinence. Now, when I came in the program, I asked three men. If you're new, this was confusing to me. I asked three men what to do. The first guy I pulled aside was Larry W. Larry W. said, get a food plan and stick to it no matter what. Perfect. Then I called Richie. And Richie said,
4: get right by God.
3: And that's it. Just get right by God and everything will be perfect. Okay, perfect. I can get that. Then I called Bill B. and he said, work the 12 steps. And everything will be perfect. And I was just, here I go again. I was confused and lost and don't know what to do. My path was something about what I wrote down that first day, which is no different than any diet I ever been on before. What I wrote down, my way wound up resonating with Larry's. If you come in here and you get spiritual, but you don't lose the weight initially, keep coming back. If you come in here and you lose the weight, but you get nothing else, keep coming back. There's there's nowhere else to go. Where are you going to go? First of all, when I came here, there really was nowhere else to go. Nobody much wanted me back anyway. They weren't. They weren't lining up to having me come back. Not only did I come to this place, I got hugged. This was bizarre to me. I mean, I didn't care—women, men, straight guys, gay guys—I didn't give a shit. I just loved the contact. It was exciting. Um, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was bizarre. But mine, mine just went this route. I wrote down three meals a day. Nothing in between. I wrote down no sugar, no bread, no fried food. I had already given up booze. I'm not a sober alcoholic. I just haven't had a drink since New Year's Eve 1980 because, like a few other things, I don't do alcohol in moderation. I don't drink like a gentleman. Ergo, today, I don't drink. And I don't want to um, uh, minimize what it takes to be a sober alcoholic. I just, I'm not an alcoholic, but I know better than to drink. I wrote down this food plan, and my food plan, we didn't have abstinence in food plan, there was no controversy. The big controversy in 1982, the OA birthday party, every year there's a play. And the big controversy that year, Mario was the male lead, and it was the, it was a takeoff on West Side Story. And it was the moderate mealers against the gray sheeters. And they're singing, Maria, Maria, and it was, it was just bizarre. I had been in program at that time for three weeks. And I see this Italian guy who used to weigh like 4,000 pounds, but he was also bulimic, and now he's not practicing any of that stuff, singing to some girl, Maria, in like half English and half Italian, and I'm thinking, you guys are nuts. (laughs) But I kept coming back. Um, so that's my food plan, and I don't, I'm not particularly controversial, I don't go out on the limb much. I've quit the debating society. I mean, I was a speech, picture this, I got a bachelor's degree in speech. Like, they gave me a degree for talking. I mean, this is, this is money well spent, eh? So, I quit the debating society. If you say it's one way, and it works for you, gag is into hate, which is, the Yiddish meaning go and be well. I mean, whatever works, I could not get Richie's way. I could not get spiritual. I, I, I couldn't do Blue Seam's way. I could not figure out what the steps were about. For me, in the beginning, it was a food plan. And you know what? It probably was wasn't a diet. Who cares? I don't use the word. Is it's a bad word? It doesn't matter to me. It's a way of eating that allows me to function in the world where I couldn't function before. But then, after a while, it wasn't enough. And actually, what happened was, I came in in 82. In 1984, my car was stolen. In my car was, among other things, my big book and a lot of other things. One of my car was found in Zanesville, Ohio, like, they need more copies of the Big Book in Ohio. My Big Book was gone. <laughs> my titans they keep on, they take my Big Book. There's some drunken, I don't know. Anyway, so I bought a new copy of the Big Book. Now, in two years, nobody knows this, but there was a new edition of the Big Book of AA. Because when I read that sucker in 1984, it didn't look a whole lot like it did in 82. Everything was different. It didn't mention food plans, It didn't mention diet. It actually talked about spirituality and stuff like that. I didn't get it. Two years later, my car was stolen again. Two years later. I drive a park Honda. It's not like I'm driving a fancy car. It was stolen. They find it in E.T.L.A. This time, not much was in it, including my big book again. So now I have to buy a 1986 edition of the big book of that A. And I'm to read that sucker another time. And it looked real different. Real different again. And, you know, that is a strange sense of humor. It, 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 It was... It was hitting me from all over. I found this woman I fell in love with in program. She's a devout Christian. I mean, I mean, so she was, but you know what? Real spiritual, real spiritual. So all of a sudden, little by little, I had one sponsor for six years. If you're new, don't listen to this part. I did not, I wasn't being honest. I was cutting down my food way, way too much. My goal weight was 180. When I hit 180, I made it 170. When I hit 170, I made it 160. When I hit 160, my goal weight became 150. And I'm about this much under six feet tall. And every, I got down to 158, and every bone in my body hurt, and every time I touched anything, I bruised. And you know what? I was so sick that I loved it. I loved it. But for the first time in my life, I could feel as close to normal as I'd ever felt. And you know what? It's all swung around now. I've been at the same weight now. I don't, the other thing is, this is how God's worked in my life. Henry, a newcomer, said to me in 84, 85, I'm sick of hearing about your scales. Throw out your scale. So I took a, a bag and I threw out my scale. Both of them. I had an apartment about the size of this podium, <laughs> but I needed two scales. And <laughs> the towel bar up, the towel bar down. The first tee, after the first tee, you take a number two, you don't take a number two. You shower, you don't shower. It. it matters one foot. All the weight on one foot, the scale doesn't know. As I just law degree, law degree. Real smart. So I take the two scales, I put them in a the bag, and I put them in the trash can behind the alley on Lincoln and Wilshire. I cut back, I go on my morning walk. I come back, and I'm freaking, you know damn well, Jack, you would go into a trash can for food. Why not? And I go in the trash can, and the Santa Monica Sanitation Department had come and emptied the trash. And I had no scale. And my wife has a scale in our house today. I've never been on it. I go in the doctor once a year. If he weighs me, he weighs me. The first time I went to him 15 years ago, I said, look, I'm not getting on the scale this time. You're either going to work with me or you're not. Pick a number. I am exactly whatever you say I am, I am. And he picked a number. The next year, I said, this time you can weigh me. Maybe I'll go backward. I'm too old for this shit. I'm 50. I don't have the strength to make a big McGill out of anything anymore. I'm just too old. I'm too tired. I don't have the strength. I go to the doctor today. He weighs me, and it is what it is. My weight hasn't changed, I think, in, in 20 years. So, I did, I, the food thing had to get on track. And, but then the hard part about program started. And that's when, what the last 20 years is about. So I had the guy sponsor for six years. Then I had a woman sponsor. I know it's highly, highly, uh, uh, frowned upon. She came up to me and she said, you're floundering. My sponsor and I, my first sponsor and I had fired each other. My second, this woman came up to me and said, you're, we're, you're floundering. Would you like some help? And I looked at her and I said, thank you very much. A, you're female. I'm male. Second of all, I'm a hundred pounder. You're not. And third of all, we used to date. So, (laughs) I said, no, thank you. About a month later, she asked me again, and I was desperate. And she sponsored me for six years. And the truth was, she was the in to how to get what this program is really about. And what she talked about is, I had a hard time with with the second and third step. So, she helped me massage that second step to came to know a source of information within me that if accessed and honored and lived would allow me to function at a higher level than I've ever functioned before. And I could, I, could, I, could, I could stink my teeth into that. And then she said, the third step is, now that you know what to do, do it. You know what to eat, eat it. You know who not to hug, don't hug them. You know where to go and not go. You know how to be honest, not honest. Um, a guy sitting next to me in my morning meeting in L.A. today turned to me and said, well, the speaker was speaking. He says, "You know, I had to do something today, uh, uh, like registering something. Let me tell you what I did." And he tells me a story, and what he did was glaringly illegal. And I didn't have time to talk to him about it, and he didn't ask me, so it's none of my business. I can't do that today, and it's not that I'm a saint; it's that um, I and I well, I don't have a choice today. In fact, I sponsor, I don't know if any of you remember Carl G, the locksmith, who died January last year. I sponsored Carl for 15 years. And I got to watch how somebody works a program. He had a, a, a challenge once professionally. He did something which could have exposed him to incredible um, uh, problems at work. And we talked about it. And he told me, not, he didn't ask me what to do. He told me what he was going to do, which was to do the right thing. And my wife was hearing the story. And she said to me afterwards, he's, he's going to lose his job. He can get in trouble for that. What's he afraid of? And I said, he chooses to believe that his abstinence is predicated upon doing the right thing. She said, is it? I said, you know what? Yeah. We get a, we get a daily reprieve from this disease uh, continued upon keeping a fit spiritual condition. She's just do the right thing. I, there, there's no choice. So for the next six years, I worked with a sponsor who doesn't live in L.A. anymore. We fired each other at the end of six years. It was a perfect, perfect relationship. And then I met Carol. I don't know, 15 years ago now, 12 years, whatever it was, and you were you telling yesterday, apparently, I mean, no matter what the question is, he'll just say, God, or the big book, that's all he'll say. It's a very, it's an easy job working with me, the way he does it. I've never heard 14 words out of him in the 17 years. I mean,
2: <laughs> read the book,
3: pray about it, I mean, but this is what it's turned into. Um, I got, I got, by the way, and I've gone through shit in my life. I mean, it looks like I, my mom died when I was 14, my grandfather died when I was 12, my favorite uncle died when I was 10. Um, um, another grandparent died when I was 16 and I lost three friends in high school at uh, 17 and 18 years old. So I like got had eight or nine deaths in, in the 60s. And um, so I've been through shit. I got married in this program the first time and I got divorced and I've been married now six years. And it's hard. It's hard. In fact, we went to therapy this morning and here's the difference. I was actually going to go there righteous self-righteous beyond belief about all the things she needed to work on.
2: <laughs>
3: and I was right. The speaker this morning at my me- the meeting I went to, Rocky, was if you know Rocky, at the end of that meeting, I walked into the therapy session, both the therapist and my wife thought I had sent somebody instead of me. <laughs> because how can I tell her what's wrong with her if I'm working a 12-step program? I mean, I, I, you, you, can't, you can't justify that. I can't justify that. I've also gotten to wind up in Al-Anon, and um, that's for another time. But um, let me tell you what I did right in my first year. I stuck to a food plan no matter what. How? I don't know. I would tell you if I knew how. Nez Doha the great miracle happened there. That's what I know. The other thing I knew is they told me, you get up to the podium and you fetch Everybody wants to know Jewish, by the way. You kvetch about whatever is bothering you. You just tell the truth. And what I touched about that first year was about my career and about my uh, stretch marks. That's all I could talk about. I hate. I was selling life insurance, and I had gone to law school, and I didn't know which was more shameful. I I, I wasn't thrilled with either. <laughs> hey, I'm telling the truth as I know it. And and my stretch marks, which are humiliating, but after I lost my weight, I still had loose skin and I still had stretch marks. And I was looking out during the 100 uh, pounders panel before, and I looked out at the pool. And it was such a source of torment as a kid because I love the sun and I love the water and I love the fresh air, and I decided at age ten never to take my shirt off in public again, never. And I went from ten to thirty without ever having my shirt off in public. And that, and I, I'm talking about outside, outside. But I, that's even how it was for me uh, sexually. I would turn off the lights. Because, and I would gladly forego seeing what she looked like to not have her see what I looked like. Because I didn't want to look into the face of anyone who was looking at me, because I knew what they were thinking. A little bit of arrogance, probably a little bit of accuracy, and a lot of fear. And so I, I complained on a daily basis from the podium about the embarrassment and the humiliation of my body, which was never going to get better. I mean, the stretch are not going to go away. And the disdain from my career, which, to be honest with you, I didn't believe was going to get any better. It didn't occur to me that anything could change. And people would say things like, let me get this straight, you found a higher power, whatever you believe worked for you. Was it the 12 steps? Was it the tools? Was it the visions? Was it the big book? Was it the fellowship? Whatever you believe it was, what, got you abstinent and got you sinned, but he can't get you a career or a girlfriend? I mean, first of all, it's naive, it's arrogant, and it's inaccurate. Keep coming back. So I fetched and I fetched and I fetched, and this is how the miracle happens to me. It, you know, again, if I didn't know this was true, I wouldn't believe it. So if your experience is a little more normal and to the, you know, to the concrete, to the real, real tangible world, I don't know what to tell you. I don't believe in anything, but I'll tell you what's been happening. This woman came up to me and said, would you like to volunteer to work in an eating disorder hospital program? I said, yeah, why? Why me? And she said, you're thin, you're fat, you're male, and you can talk. I said, that's all? And she said, yep, that's all. And so I volunteered, and then they offered me a job. And then they told me to go back to graduate school. And I told my first supervisor, and I quote, shove it up your ass. And Alan looked at me very curiously and said, and why, that's a rather caustic response, no? And I said, have you not been listening to me? Law school would have killed me, almost killed me. I drank, I drove that way. I took Valium, I drove that way. I had a car, my, I had car accidents. You tell me car, uh, uh compulsive overeating can't kill us. I was coming out of a thinnery, diet food, ice cream restaurant in the 80s. There was a thinnery all over LA. Um, you know, big ice cream cones, no calories. Air, water, I don't know what's in it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm eating an ice cream cone. And I'm stopped waiting for the traffic to go by. And I'm looking at the ice cream cone and I'm rolling forward and I don't notice. I don't think about it. I didn't really care. And I stuck out into the intersection about a foot. And some car boom, spins me around Ventura Boulevard. I put on the ice cream cone. The police came, the whole thing. And when it was over, I picked up the ice cream cone to finish it. That's just the way I worked. The other one was I was going bowling. One of the things that the program gave me when my body got... I couldn't bowl when I was pounds. I couldn't bend down anymore. I, it was just too embarrassing also. I got to go back into things I used to do. I got to do everything in abstinence that I did as a kid, which I couldn't do anymore. And so I was I was going bowling, but I had to get the scenery, and they both happened at 9 o'clock. This place closed at 9. This league started at 9. But let's be honest, the ice cream is more important. So I bought the ice cream, and I made a U-turn at the intersection of Pico and Westwood, which was not a good place to make a U-turn in the middle of the street. And I cut off a motorcycle cop <laughs> who hit his brakes and almost hit me and was not very friendly about the fact that the last time somebody did that, he hit them and broke his leg and he, I'm lucky I only got a ticket is what he said. Um, I think he wanted to arrest me. But this is what my intense, frenetic, myopic focus on the food. This is what it did. So I fetched about that and next thing I know I went to graduate school and next thing I know I graduate. Oh, what Alan said to me about why it was okay to go to graduate school this time he said, you weren't in recovery then. So basically, shut up, sign up, and go to graduate school. And I graduated two years later. I got one b plus and all the rest days. I went and sat for my, um, um, I became a marriage and family therapist. Big surprise. Um, another recovering person getting into the field of therapy. Um, I got licensed 20 years ago, and I can say in, in all candor, I don't think there's a day in the 20 years or the 25 since I started at the, the hospital that I've regretted being in this field, that I've not loved being in the field. I mean, there are bad days, of course. And I have bad days like everybody has bad days. But not a second regret or sadness or anything but absolute gratitude for the bliss of having the opportunity to, 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 to do my program by night and to do my work by day and no conflict at all, make a living, help people, and enjoy myself. The other thing was a stretch march, and this one I believe even less. Some woman came up to me at a meeting and basically said to me, I live near the beach in Redondo. You come to my house, we'll go to the beach, and what I basically heard was, I'll protect you. Now, we made a date to do it, and I'm thinking, as I'm driving down there, I think I'm being seduced. (laughs) No, what I really thought is, I hope I'm being seduced. It was so exciting. So I go to a place in the beach, and, and, and we go to this, this isolated little part of Redondo Beach. And I don't remember how it went, but this is how it went for me. We sat there, we sat there, and we just sat there. And I was like revving up. Like you see these athletes, for example, the, uh, the uh, hop, step, and jump, the pole vaulters who start rocking before they... I started to get revved up. And all of a sudden, she didn't look at me, which made it much easier. I took my shirt off my body, outside in the sun... And I put it under my arm. I didn't want to let go of it. I didn't want it to get too far away. And she didn't look, as I recall. She didn't open her eyes. And I knew damn well that if anybody would have come, this woman would have slew, slayed, she would have slayed the dragon. She would have killed the boogeyman. And it seemed like hours. It probably was minutes. It may have been seconds for all I know. But when I couldn't tolerate it anymore, I put my shirt back on. And you know what? It's not an issue for me today. And in the last 20 years, 25 years, my body hasn't gotten the least bit better. It ain't getting better. This is it. Now it's not only stretch, mark, and slabby, it's 25 years old. And you know what? It doesn't matter. Because if I'm going to live in a cage, I might as well eat again. If I'm going to live in a cage, why not just throw in one more thing that I enjoyed doing, which was eating? Throw it in there. I'm not willing to live that way today. I'm just not willing to do that. So, I, I talked from the podium about anything that bothered me. I had a sponsor every step along the way. I had a food plant every step along the way. And I went to meetings. I liked them. If you don't like them, too bad. I've got to go anyway. I go when I don't want to go, uh, but I generally want to go. Why would I not want to go to a place where I'm going to run into Mickey and she's going to give me a warm, big hug? Or see Jack, who I used to see at every Sunday our meeting, or see Cap. Why would I not? And I know it's not about the fellowship, but let me tell you something if i wasn't coming into those meetings and getting hugged if i wasn't sitting with a, a guy in program um, who was dying when you're talking about somebody if i wasn't sitting with if i wasn't sitting with, with carl's uh, um, wife after he died i mean i'd be out there these are the this, these are there's a yiddish word mentsmen it's probably the same in german it means men of the same land what i found when i came here i found nowhere else they were mentsmen It doesn't matter whether they're men or women, straight or gay, black or white, fat or thin, anorexic, not, hundred pounders or not. It didn't matter. I went to Lumberton, Mississippi to lead my first retreat in 85. Richie had been the speaker the year before. So I'm coming there with a lot of ego and no self-esteem and knowing I'm following, I'm I'm picking up where Richie left off. I go there and it was bizarre. Nobody liked me. I mean, there was, it was a bunch of people you'd expect to be in Lumberton, Mississippi. (laughs) There was one Jew in that corner. There was one bulimic in that corner. There was one um, um, one black woman in that corner, and everybody else was the same in the middle. And you know what? Everywhere I go, I I, I learned there was a guy named Vic, and Vic was a kid. He weighed four hundred pounds. And Friday afternoon, I, I haven't thought about Vic in twenty years. So he he um, we played volleyball before the opening ceremonies, before the dinner and the speaking, and he was wearing a beautiful white t-shirt just out of the package with the line still. Do women do that? I, I, I was ready to put out a mother. I, 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 I the First time my wife said, you want me to iron your shirt? What? I was joking, half joking was like thinking, what you do is, you fold it up real pretty, you put it under the mattress, and then you pull it out in the morning, and it looks like it's iron. I mean, iron? <laughs> What's an iron? But Vic was playing volleyball, and I knew that at 400 pounds, if I ever weighed 400 pounds, I wasn't. Gonna be, if I weighed 400 pounds, I wasn't leaving my house he's playing volleyball. And the first ball hit to him. God bless him. The first ball he took one step forward and he tripped. And he fell flat down on his beautiful new white t-shirt. And it's dead silent. We're in the middle of a um, a, there was nobody. You could almost hear the silence. And Vic stood up and he dusted his shirt off. Let's play. And I'm watching these people having life some fat, some thin. And I was absolutely mesmerized. I didn't think you could have... This was beyond my wildest dreams. I couldn't fathom it. And I know I wanted stuff when I came in. This is what I dreamt about when I came in. I wanted to get married one day. I wanted to be thin for more than a half an hour. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I wanted a career. I mean, I just wanted to feel normal. I'm almost there. I, 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 I feel more normal than I've ever felt before. And you know what? I'm not so sure that normal is all it's cracked up to be. What I do know is I have a... I keep... The extent to which I do the right thing, the extent to which I show up to meetings, I sponsor, I read the literature. Every morning, another car that I sponsor, one day was leading, a, or we were on a panel together, and he was speaking, and he said these profound words of wisdom. He said he does not turn on the car radio in the morning until he gets to his first destination. And in that ride, which for him could have been a half an hour, he just praised. he just praised. And he gave his sponsor credit. And I knew Kyle was full of shit because I was a sponsor and that was too good an idea. It never came from me. But you know what? Since that day two or three years ago, I don't turn on the car radio from the second I get in until my first destination. If it's work Monday through Friday, if it's my meeting on Saturday, wherever I go. And what do I do? God, let me strength. Accept the things I can. I change the courage to change the things I can. The wisdom to know the difference. I rattle off the first three steps. Uh, God, I offer myself to thee. Uh, our Father. I just rattle them off and rattle them off. And every time I forget where I am, I start all over again. Does it work? Yeah, it works. It keeps me focused. And I mean, Am I doing my best meditating, my best praying in the car? No. But it's better than listening to talk radio in the morning. I do the right thing. My dad and I, it was a, it was a big issue for me for many, many years. I was angry at him because I was just angry. at the, I was angry at God for taking my mother. I was angry at my mother for dying. I was angry at cancer. I was angry at everything. And my dad was there. And so he became the target. I'm going to go see him tomorrow morning. In fact, I'm, I'm, I, I came up here today and I'm driving back after this because... My wife and I go every Sunday to visit my father. He moved about, I don't know, 30, 40 miles north of L.A. And we go visit him every week. Why? A, hey, I love him. But B, it's the right thing to do. The biggest, one of the biggest miracles for me in program is some woman came up to me about 10 years ago and she said, I want to thank you. You're welcome. What do I do? She said, when I came in the program, you were struggling with your father. And I heard you speak 10 years later and you talked about it very, very differently. And then I knew that miracles could happen in this program over and above the weight loss. And like, look, for the first few years in program, OA to me was a food plan and therapy, and you know that was the best I could do. The lying about my food was the best I could do. The 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 lying response is the best I could do, but I kept coming back. I kept coming back. There was every reason to keep coming back, and no reason to leave. There was nowhere to go, because I don't think this is arrogant. The miracle happens here. Look around. Look around. What's the likelihood that Roseanne, whatever it is, all those years ago would sit down and come up with something that's alive today and 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 keeps people who would not have been alive alive? We were talking about bariatric the surgery. There's There's got to be... Did you hear the latest thing it was on the news? My wife and I have falling asleep, and they did the, the news about that new thing that came out two weeks ago. On the news, they throw in, there might be some side effects, like loose stool and soiling. And you know what? I'm telling you, there's probably a whole, I almost said shitload of people. Pretty choice of the <laughs> not, because, not because it's swearing, it's just not a good choice of words. But you know damn well that people are going to be buying that stuff. Why? Because that's going to be the magic pill. There is no pill. There is no pill. And that was a hard, that was a bitter pill to swallow. There is no pill. There isn't anything. What there is is tenacious, hard work, one day at a time. One day at a time. If there is no there there, whoever uh, uh, whatever, whatever, there was a great woman somewhere along the way, she said, "There's no there there. There's no there's no end to the race." I mean, somebody. I, I worked with a big uh, guru in, in, in the field of therapy many years ago, and somebody said, "Sir, when can when you stop this stuff?" And he said, "When you're dead. When you're dead, you can stop. Until then, I strongly urge you to keep going." <laughs> but just like Vic, just like Vic, some days we fall down. So, what? That's the nature of the beast. See, I was so low that I thought I had to be impervious to all human frailty to be okay. And you know what? I'm human-er today. I make mistakes today. I was scared of everything when I was growing up. And, and promises, boy, the promises started coming through every step along. I know they hide them behind the ninth step. I understand that. But you know what? When I kind of fell into the... In 1980, I went river rafting. And that's before, before program. And the guy says, if you fall out, don't flail, just surrender. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. If I fall out of that thing, I'm kicking and screaming. He said, no, for real, don't do it. When I fall down in recovery, what I like to think I'm going to do and do do is dust my ass off like Vic did in, in Lumberton, Mississippi, and get right back on track. There's been foods I've struggled with over the years. You know what? I'm a compulsive overeater. What's a surprise? I used to say, an apple is an apple. Right? An apple is an apple. A banana is a banana. When do you stop eating grapes? I don't know. I have no idea when you stop. When there's no <laughs> raisins. When do they stop? I don't know. So I, you know what? I can't eat them like a gentleman. I don't eat them anymore. I don't eat them anymore. And you know what? People have you feel deprived. For so what I've gotten back? I mean, when I got married, I, I had a, a fruit cup or something. My wife had cake. There was a cake there. Of course I care. What do I care? But somebody said, would you really go out and binge today if if you uh, if you in a bite or something? I said, well, let me get this straight. If I eat a Twinkie, I get a Twinkie. If I can do that, dandy. But if I can't, if I win, I get a Twinkie. And if I lose, I go nose down. I lose my career. I lose my wife. I lose my family. I lose my ability to sit into my pants. I lose any self-esteem that I've ever developed. I lose everything. I'd like to think that i come right back, rebound right back. But you know what? None of us are assured. It's a lot easier to keep what we've got than to lose it and get it back. I mean, I've got to just keep it one day at a time. It's a lot easier to make it just through today. And it is one day at a time. It's one day at a time. It's, I learned this, uh, the law cabin on a Saturday morning. The OA meeting is there from 9 to 10. At 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, the AA guys come in and they're setting up and they're moving and they're getting ready for their meeting. And I see this one old guy there every week and he's setting up chairs. And I, go, I look at him, and I said, it looked like he needed this. I'm codependent. I needed this. Who cares? I walked up to him, and I said, I see you every week setting up the chairs, and it's so wonderful. And isn't, recovery, isn't sobriety wonderful? And he, he looks down, and he goes, well, I'm not sober. I said, well. well I thinking, oh, shit, what do I do now? I said, well, look, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. You haven't had a drink today. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. have. And I'm thinking, you know, two right? <laughs> I'm screwed. And I looked at him and I'm thinking, you know, up the sleeve and said, you're not drinking right now. And this older guy starts puffing up. He fell for it and it was the truth. He starts puffing up his chest and he looked like he felt good about himself. He said, Yeah. And you know what? For all I know, he's still sober or he drank that day. You know what? I don't know. I don't know. But for me it's the the twelve step for me every step is the step. If you ask Carol. you tell Carol where you are, he'll so say, How long are you absent? You find 14 days in three months? That's exactly where you're, So no matter where I call him and tell him I am, exactly where you're supposed to be. For me, the recovery now is about the first step and the 11th step. It's about, on a daily basis, trying to align my will with God. And I don't know what God's will is often, but I pray for only knowledge of his will and the power to carry that out. And the third step is, like my second sponsor said, you know what to do, just do it. You know, we, we laughed when uh, Nancy Reagan said, uh, just say no, or when Nixon said, just do You know, the other thing is, is all the things I was taught as a kid about what to do and not do, have turned out to be right. I mean, there's a comedian, he said, I'm going to write a three-page book on how to lose weight. He said, the first page is going to be blank, and the last page is going to be blank, and the middle page is going to be, don't eat so damn much. And (laughs) But you know what? Surrender today, I can do that. If you're new, this is what I suggest. Keep coming back no matter what. Do anything and everything you can. Work the steps to the best of your ability. Get a food plan. Hang out with the winners. Or, uh, Rocky said today, hang out with whoever's left. I mean, um, (laughs) he was good. He was good today. He He said he went to Weight Watchers once, and in three weeks, he lost 21 days. If you're new, this is what worked for me. I had a food plan, and to the best of my ability, I stuck to it no matter what. How? Don't ask me. I don't know how. I've called people in the middle of the night, I've thrown food away. Some woman emailed me recently who hasn't been in LA in 23 years. And one of the things she remembers about me, she says, Do you still keep no food in your house. I forgot that my first year of program, I kept nothing in my house. I couldn't, I couldn't trust myself to go from breakfast to lunch and lunch to dinner. So if I went to sleep, I'd go to sleep and I'd worry about the morning in the morning. I don't live that way today. I've got a new, a new freedom. People don't scare me anymore. I mean, not just that I'm an extrovert, people don't scare me. Um, fear of economic insecurity. You know what? I know what to do when I'm feeling that way. I pray more and I work harder. You know, action is the magic word. When my practice is down, I market more. When my practice is up, I say thank you. I say thank you anyway. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I never thought that 55 is a big number. I mean, I'm, I just realized I'm like a, I'm like a, a, a speed limit already. It's... Uh, <laughs> And when I came in here, I was a 29-year-old who felt very, very scared and very, very hopeless. And I don't know where the dreidel thing started, but in the last couple years, I wear a dreidel, and I just got a second one as a gift. And and if you're new, please remember this. My pictures are going around. That's the least of the recovery. That's the least of the recovery. I don't even care what I weigh anymore. I really don't care. And take it from somebody who's on the scale 10 or 15 times a day. We get a daily reprieve, the extent to which we align our will in in line with God. I work the 12 steps. I have stayed no matter what. I practice the 12 step. I practice these principles in all my affairs. If there's ever a chance to 12 step, I absolutely do it. There's a woman in my building one day many years ago. She's doing this in the elevator, before the elevator. And she's very, very overweight. And I walk by and I say, do a couple extra for me. I don't believe in exercise. She said, look at you and look at me. Just what I wanted. Just what I wanted. I said, what are you doing tonight? It's an older woman. She looked at me like... Maybe she thought what I thought in the first time. I'm being seduced. No, lady. Uh, She said, nothing. I said, there's a meeting. Where do you live? She said, Westchester. I said, you're not going to believe this. The 100-pounders meeting in L.A. is in Westchester. I said, and she went to church two miles from this place. I said, meet me at that meeting tonight. And she was 100 pounds overweight. And um, she moved out of L.A. recently, but when she moved, she had lost 50 or 60 pounds. I think she stayed in program. I don't know. But if nothing else, it probably hooked her back up to her church. And I think she joined a weight group. That's my job today. I, my job is to, is to spread the word. And I'm not a proselytizer. I mean, really, I'm not going up to, I'm not walking around. But if I happen to be carrying a big book, I got no qualms about leaving it, leaving it where people can see it. In fact, if you ever want to talk to Roz, ask Roz about uh, me and my big book. Um, if you know, please keep coming back. Um, I've tried everything. I've tried everything short of the surgery. Um, nothing worked. Nothing stayed working. In fact, some woman at a meeting one day said, you know what? I don't know why you guys talk so much about OA being the only way. Weight watchers worked. And she sw- I swear she said this. She said, I've been waiting like for this 14 times. And she, she pulled one of those good, or bad, was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I have a life today. I'm excited about driving home to L.A. I'm not going to fall asleep on the road because I'm not going to be numb from the dinner or the things that I eat. After you guys stop looking, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come up tonight because I'd rather wake, home, wake up at home. I'd rather have my normal life today. And I wanted to die. By the way, I thought about suicide every other day in law school. And thank God I didn't have courage. Thank God I didn't have courage. Because I could not imagine there was any way out from being locked in a little box. And you know what? The, the, what do they say in the big book, that the the, the, uh, the uh, hoop through which we have to jump is a whole lot bigger than we think. I mean, it's really not that hard a program. It, it's a very simple, simple, simple program. And every cliche bothered me in the beginning, and they're all true. It's a simple program for complicated people. I know that. Or we're all here because we're not all here. <laughs> Please keep coming back. If you fall down, stand up. If you have the courage to tell somebody it hurts, they may listen to you. They may care. They may look like they care. And my experience in these rooms is they really do. The hugs are warm. The people are friendly. And together, we really can do that, which alone, most of us, I, for one, have proven I can do. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. I thank you so very much for the opportunity. And uh, God bless us all. Thank you.
1: was awesome, but I also had my car stolen with the big book in it, <laughs> and the the car was found and the big book wasn't in it. So I don't know what that's about. Uh, anyway, uh, we have just a, a one quick announcement, and remember, the uh, dance is going to be over here in this next room. Karaoke sound the way. Uh, Thank you so much for, for sharing. Oh, Pam has something.
3: I know we've all had such a wonderful time listening to our great speaker. I have some news that's not joyful, but that Roseanne would like to have shared with all of you. I don't know how many of you remember A.G. A.G. passed away today. So you can keep his family and Roseanne in your prayers because this is a great loss to her and to all of us who my first birthday party, AG, was the main speaker. So I just wanted
4: Roseanne asked if he could please announce that. Thank you.
1: Okay, Richard, do you have uh, a pitch? I
2: do.
4: Richard Bulimic and your t-shirt chair. You guys are fantastic. What a great weekend this has been so far, and thanks again, Jack. So, I have good news, and I have bad news. Bad news is, I ordered too many t-shirts and too many bags, and I need your help. So the good news is, after we get done in here, and if I can ever get this wonderful bag open, that this bag is such a good bag, you can't get anything out, but it, but it holds it in really good. Okay. So here's what the bags look like. So we have three styles of T-shirts. After this meeting, here we have the amazing, beautiful uh, V-neck. Okay.
3: All right. Let's hear it
4: for the V-neck. There we go. There's that one. Yeah. The V-neck bows to you. Then we have the equally amazing and beautiful crew neck. Two for the crew neck. Yeah, yeah. You guys do anything, huh? Okay. And then, of course, the gorgeous uh, and maybe uh, most exotic, the scoop neck. Yeah, we'll 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 yeah, 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 okay. So all these are going to be on sale. Unbelievable. Run to your room, get your credit card checks or cash. $5 each, right after, the, right after we empty out of the room and went out there and set the table up. So the bags, these, five bucks, they're not going to last. Um, get them, and, uh, and I'll be out there waiting for you to give you a, a hug on top of that. It's a, it's a deal you can't beat. So I love you all, and uh, thanks for being here for me. Yeah.
1: So, and just as an example of how game people are in this program, I have this little format, and it says, will blank lead us in our clothing? And I realized standing up here that I hadn't asked anybody to lead us in the clothing. So very much put somebody on the spot, and he graciously agreed to lead us in our clothing. Our clothing. So but there's clothing in the boutique. Uh, So Jack, thank
5: you. I'm Jack, compulsive overeater. (laughs) I quip to him, he takes his shirt off, I put my shirt on. So, and he's on speed. I'm probably more like the Valium era. (laughs) So there you go. Anyway, I'm very grateful to have been asked and to have been here. I think that uh, Jack did an incredible job. as He always has when I've heard him. He's just a wonderful speaker. So uh, thank you. And above all, it's uh, really with deep gratitude for <clears throat> the higher power, however you understand the higher power, enables us to be here and to be able to do and be the message one day at a time. So, uh, thank you. And I also uh, you know, as Pamela mentioned uh, if we could all keep Roseanne in our thoughts because uh, AG was very important to her as to many people and uh, I think it's very important. She is our founder. So, thank you. So, if we will all... Uh, uh, stand up and at least join hands with the people at the table. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to start this and then I'm going to step down. So, <clears throat> Okay, so I put my hand in yours.